and we'll probably be looking at it uh, today and, and next Sunday also. I want to encourage you to read this passage of Scripture again and just let the Lord let the Lord speak to you, okay, as, as well as I ask him to speak to me. Let's pray together. Father, unless you speak in these moments, this is going to be wasted time. God, help us to honor your word by not only reading it and studying it, but, Lord, help us to honor your word by living it. Heavenly Father, it's so easy for us to to look down on others, to pass by them, to judge them, to consider them unimportant. But, God, help us to see that each one of us is a creation of God. And when you made man and woman and children, you said it is good. Father, teach us how to live more like your son. Help us to love all that we come in contact with. And help us, Father, that we will show them the love of Christ by the way that we live and the way we react react toward them. Father, please send your spirit to speak to our hearts in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 10 Uh, verse 25 to 37. Chris, if you'll pull that up. Thank you, sir. If it will come up. Here we go. And I want to ask this question, who are we passing by? Listen to this passage of scripture. And behold, a lawyer stood up. And listen, this is a setup, okay? And we immediately find out that this man is not a believer. He is not sincere. He wants to discredit the Lord. A lawyer stood up to put him to test, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And what Jesus is doing here, he's giving this man, and and I'm going to explain a little bit of this more. A lawyer here is not in the sense that you and I think about somebody who defends us in court, who who helps do away with traffic tickets or, or some other thing. But a lawyer, that expression in some of the translations, an expert in the law. And here's the problem. God wants us to be an expert in his love after we come at, in his word, after we come to know him as our Savior. And see, what this man's problem was, he knew he had a knowledge of Scripture, but he did not have the Lord in his heart. His knowledge of Scripture had caused him to become arrogant and complacent toward what God said in his word. And so Jesus asked him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? What's your interpretation? Well, I'm sure the man, he couldn't wait to tell Jesus what he thought, how he thought he would inherit eternal life. So he answers And please notice in verse 27, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 5, and also from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's Deuteronomy 6. And then he says, and your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19, 18. And Jesus said to him, You have answered right. But now listen to this. Listen to this closely. Do this and you will live. You see, the man thought that he was going to receive eternal life because of the way that he lived, because of the knowledge that he had. And 
as you read the New Testament Gospels, you understand that the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers were some of the most arrogant and condescending people in the Word of God. And folks, again, they thought this young rabbi who had been illegitimately born could not have an understanding of the Word of God like they did. And what they didn't understand is he is the Word of God. And folks, I want to tell you, there's a danger in thinking that we know so much that by our knowledge of God, we're given eternal life. And eternal life has never been given out by knowledge, but by repenting of sin and turning in faith to Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. So understand in this passage of Scripture, this man is lost. And not only does he put a test to Jesus in verse 25, but in verse 29, after hearing what Jesus said, especially do this and you will live in verse 28. In verse 29, Luke tells us that this man desiring to justify himself. And folks, the word justify in the biblical sense means to be made right with God or to be found in right relationship with God. And so Jesus has said something that is cutting to the heart, but he wants to justify himself. And so he says, who is my neighbor? That's a good question, isn't it? Who is my neighbor? And I want to ask you and I as Christians, I want to ask you and I as a church, who are our neighbors? And I'm not talking about the Briggs on this side and the Solomons on this side and the Longs across the street. Who is our neighbor? Thank you, Jeanette. Everybody is our neighbor. But listen to this. So Jesus is going to give an answer, and he's going to give an illustration. And this is really not that important. Some Bible scholars and commentaries say that this is a parable, while others think that Jesus is actually relating something that really happened. And folks, listen to this. Verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, folks, listen to this story closely. Obviously, this man needs immediate attention. These robbers have beaten him half to death And he's about to die unless someone helps him. And listen to verse 31. Now by chance. And you know, a lot of times you and I think that the people we meet in life is just a quirk. It's just something that should have not happened. But folks, if we're born again believers and we have surrendered ourselves to Christ, then he has a purpose and plan for everybody we meet on life's way, I believe. And folks, listen to this. God sends two religious people to help this man. God's always going to send help, y'all. And a lot of times he wants us to be that source of help. And listen to this, folks. By chance, a priest was going down that way, and when he saw him, now make no doubt about it, this priest saw this man and it's obvious that this man has been stripped of his clothes he has been robbed 
and he has been beaten, and he's about to die. Now, what does the priest do? He passed by on the other side. Verse 32. So likewise, if you'll go back, Chris. So likewise, a Levite. Here's another religious man. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by also on the other side. And folks, isn't this kind of strange? Both the priest and the Levite saw the man and saw the condition that he was in, but they passed him by. But in verse 33, Jesus says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, folks, let me point out how important this verse is. Number one, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And and obviously, it is a Jew that has been stripped and robbed and beaten half to death and left for dead. And the priest and the Levite, who are Jewish religious leaders, see the man and they go around him. But the Samaritan came to where he was. And folks, you and I know the story. This man takes care of the man who's almost half dead. What is the difference? Look at the latter part of verse 33. When he saw him, he had what? Compassion. And folks, I want to tell you, this is one of the most important words in the New Testament Gospels, the word compassion, especially the compassion that Jesus had. And this compassion drove this man to stop to bind up this man's wounds, to pour on oil and wine, to set him on his beast and bring him to the end and take care of him. Folks, it seems the remainder of the day and night, because the Living Bible translates the expression, he took care of him through the night. He would not leave him. He knew that this man was at the point of death and something had to be done. And so he stayed with him all night. And then in verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii. Denarii was the uh, money back in that day. And it was equivalent to a day's wage for a laborer. The Living Bible that I love so much translates that he took out two $20 bills and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. This Samaritan said, I'll take care of you until you get well. And listen to what Jesus says, verse 36, to this, to this lawyer. Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? The priest, the Levite, they walk by, the Samaritan stops. Well, folks, what about us in our everyday life? Who acted Christ-like? The Samaritan did. Who shared the love of Jesus with this man? The Samaritan did. And so in verse 37, the lawyer answered, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And folks, before we just discount this as an old story, is this not another commission for you and I as Christians never to pass by those people that we know are in need? Now, I know I got to be real careful with this application, y'all, because there are some people that I do not stop. It scares me anymore. 
somebody's got a flat tire or something out on the road. And I'll be honest with you, unless I think it's an elderly person who truly needs help, it is hard for me to do that. But folks, what I'm trying to say in this story is the example of someone who truly needed help. We run into those folks every day. And it's not just people that have been robbed and beaten and half dead. It is people that are trapped in a life that makes them feel unworthy in the presence of God. Who are we passing by? Has anyone, any group passed by you and not spoken to you or acknowledged your presence or made you feel of no worth or value or they've acted as if they're not concerned about your circumstances? Don't answer that out loud because we face that all the time, don't we? Someone else's problems is not as important as ours. And so, so often, even as Christians, we are focused completely and totally upon ourselves. And folks, sometimes at church, are we as cordial as we should be? Or we can, are we concerned for everybody, not just our group? And here's the tragedy of this. Number one, it doesn't represent the attitude of Jesus. And number two, when we, you and I as adults get this attitude of not being concerned except for everybody in our group, we pass it on down to our young people, don't we? And young people, I'm not trying to criticize you, but there's such a pecking order among young people now. It is incredible. And it's hard to convey that everybody in God's sight is equal and everybody is loved just as much as we are. Folks, I'm not trying to get political on you, okay? But you remember there were so many words that were battered back and forth by both sides. And people were described as deplorables, as uneducated. And here's the one that that I really don't like. Bible-thumping, gun-toting rednecks who drive pickup trucks. (laughs) You know, I kind of take that as an honor to be called that. You know that? How about flyover country? You ever heard? You know? And people not important? Folks, Again, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to say it is happening all over our country and our world. How many of us either respect or disrespect people because of their financial or social status? And how about this one? How many people have we cast away and not given a chance because of their past? Judged by others because of mistakes we've made in our past. Are we guilty of this? Let me tell you what I'm trying to lead up to. As Christians, we have been called to pattern our life after Jesus and after our Heavenly Father. And the word that best describes Jesus and our Heavenly Father is what? Love. For God so loved the world. God is love. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we studied out of John 13 about Jesus knew his hour had come for him to go to the cross. But you remember what John says? He loved them to the end. The disciples, those who reject him, betray him, deny him, and scatter, he loved them. And folks, When we read the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. 
Jesus did not pass by anyone but helped them and saved them and discipled them and delivered them. And let me just, let me just point out some of these things, okay? And, and we're not going to read these scriptures, but if you want documentation, here it is, okay? And, I, and this is not the total picture in the gospel, but here are people whom Jesus did not pass by. First of all, the disciples, Listen to this. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who are crusty fishermen, are tending their nets, and Jesus does not pass them by, but he calls them to follow him and become fishers of men. He doesn't pass them by. How about Matthew sitting at tax office, Mark two fourteen, And folks, You're going to find out as we do this study that one of the most hated groups of people were the tax collectors. And this man, Matthew, according to to Mark 2.14, is even sitting in his office, and Jesus comes to him and calls him to follow him. How about the leper in, in Mark chapter 1? Lepers were not allowed to touch other people. They were not allowed to come into the presence of others because they thought that dread disease of leprosy, which had no cure, might be given away. And you remember as he approaches Jesus, the leper says, if you will, you can make me clean. In essence, I believe this man is saying, Jesus, I do not doubt that you've got the power to heal me, but will you do it for me? I'm just a leper. No one else wants to have anything to do with me except my fellow lepers. You remember what Mark says? Moved with compassion. Jesus healed him. Mark chapter 5. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. You talking about a time in which the love of Jesus is presented. There are three people that, that get healed in that passage of Scripture. First of all, as you know, the demoniac in verses 1 to 20. And folks, you know, we just came through Halloween and we saw a lot of scary costumes and a lot of scary looking people. But can you imagine what this man looks like? He is living out in the cemetery. He is, he is naked. He is crazy. He is scary. Everybody's hoping that he won't come into town. And when he approaches Jesus, Jesus heals him. And in today's world, we, we look at it in a laughing way about people being demon depressed. Uh, 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 Obsessed, thank you. Possessed, thank y'all, thank y'all. Y'all need to be preaching this morning instead of me. Uh, Hadn't had enough coffee yet. But can you imagine this man? And folks, he's got legions of demons. Does Jesus pass him by? Everybody else has. They don't think there's any cure for him. Stay out in the cemetery, stay out of our town, stay out of our way. And the Son of God goes to him. When Jesus heals this man of the demons, he is met by a man named Jairus. When Jairus sees him, he says, would you come to my house? And I love the way this is put. My little daughter is at the point of death. 
If any of our children were sick at the point of death, would we not want someone who had the power to heal them to do it? Jesus doesn't say, I'm too busy. Jesus doesn't say, that's not on my work order. Jesus doesn't say, are you worthy? Jesus is going to Jairus' house. And on the way, there's a lady that who has had an issue of blood for 12 years. She spent everything she's had getting those that she thought could help her to help her. And she thinks, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. Now, in that story, you know that Jesus says, who touched my garment? And the disciples, they rebuke him. They think, well, there's a big crowd here. We don't know who touched your garment. Jesus truly knew who had touched his garment, but he wanted her to come forth and acknowledge that it was he who had healed her. And folks, even with the crowd, Jesus knew where that woman was at. Jesus knew that she needed help. And so Jesus went close enough to her for her to touch the hem of his garment. And she is healed. But here's the bad news, folks. In that delay, some of Jairus' servants come to him and say, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. You know, that man could have been so angry with that woman. But Mark tells us that Jesus ignored what they were saying. And Jesus said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. You remember that story? Jesus goes to Jairus' house. (coughs) They even laugh at Jesus that day. You can't do anything, Jesus. She is dead. The professional mourners have already gotten there. You remember Jesus, if I remember the story right, Jesus takes James and, and John and Peter in with him and Jairus. And he raises that little girl back to life. Jesus could have said, she's dead, you don't need me. Jesus could have said, I'm just tired. It's been a tough day dealing with demons and dealing with people that are sick. Jesus didn't pass her by. Let me give, give you a couple more examples and I'll be finished, okay? How about old blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10? You remember this story? Jesus is coming out of Jericho. There's a blind man that begs every day. And he hears that Jesus is coming, and apparently he heard about Jesus. And he begins to cry, David, uh, Jesus, son of David, uh, have mercy on me, have compassion on me. And the crowd begins to fuss at him. Would you just shut up? Would you be quiet? Jesus doesn't have time to mess with you. You're just a blind man. You've been blind since birth. Suck it up. You'll be all right. But he cries out the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. And he says, bring him to me. He says, what do you want? He says, I want to be healed. I want to have sight. And Jesus did. About the widow of Nain. Jesus is going into the city of Nain in Luke chapter 7. And as he is going into the city, there's a funeral procession coming out. A widow whose only son has died. 
And they're carrying his body going to wherever he's going to be buried. And Jesus stops them. And he simply touches that which he is lying on. And Jesus tells the woman, weep not. And he says to the man, young man, I say to you, arise. Let me ask you something. And I'm guilty of this. How many of us get frustrated because we're in a hurry and we want to go somewhere and here comes a funeral procession and we got to pull off the road and we got to stop? Don't answer out loud because if you say you hadn't gotten upset before, I'm going to thank you that you're telling a fib, all right? And I thought about that as I was reading this story. Jesus will not pass us by. How about the woman at the well in John chapter 4 who's passed? She'd been married five times and had lost all those husbands, not to death perhaps. And now she was living with a man. And Jesus, it says, must needs go through Samaria. Jews would normally not go through that area. But Jesus went there because this woman needed a savior. You remember that story? He must needs go through Samaria. The disciples, they leave Jesus out by the well. I think they're embarrassed to be in Samaria, but Jesus was not. And on God's timetable, he knew this woman was coming to dip water. Just two more examples, y'all. How about the thief dying on the cross? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. What does Jesus say? Man, I ain't got time to fool with you. I'm dying myself. I ain't got time to mess with you. You're part of the crowd that's put me to death. Remember what Jesus said? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And here's the irony of all of this. Jesus knew what it felt like to be passed by and to be ridiculed and to be rejected. Look at this verse, Matthew 27, 39. He is on the cross, and listen to how this is worded. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. They passed by. That man on the middle cross, he's terrible. That man on the middle cross, he deserves to die. That man on the middle cross, I'm glad we can get rid of him, not knowing that he is the savior of the world. Folks, we hadn't even got to the passage of scripture yet, and I know that, Luke 10. But folks, let me ask you, number one, who are we passing by that Jesus wants us to help? And in a world that's becoming more and more polarized and divided, as Christians, it seems like it's getting harder and harder for us to have the eyes, the hands, the feet of Jesus to help others. And I believe that this needs to wake us up. If Jesus were living today, regardless of what we thought of a person, Jesus would help them. And I'm saying this to myself. And, and folks, I want to I ask you, as, as perhaps someone who's not yet come to faith in Christ, and perhaps you feel like nobody else loves you, let me tell you who does. It is the Son of God the Savior of the world. And he'll not pass you by. And I want to read to you as we close Revelations 
And folks, this is an open invitation for all of us to come for, to him. He will not reject us. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And listen to this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And, of course, the original context of that verse is speaking to churches, us letting Jesus in the church to live in us and to use us. But, folks, also it speaks to people who have not yet trusted Christ. He'll not pass you by. He'll not look down on you. He will invite you to come in fellowship with him. He'll come into your heart. He'll embrace you. Don't put it off any longer. Regardless of what your past is, regardless of who you think you are, our Lord will not pass you by. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, first of all, we pray that as Christians, we'll not walk by those that need us to love them in Jesus' name. Father, please help us to overcome our prejudices, our judging others. Forgive us, Father, of our arrogance when we think we're better than others. God, please help us to become more like your son. And Lord, I pray today that if there's someone here that that does not know the love of Jesus, Father, I pray that they would know that your son will not pass them by if they will allow him to come into their heart and be their Savior. Oh, God, please guide them, Lord, to repent of sin and to believe that your Son is the Savior of the world and that he died on the cross to deliver them from their sin. And by trusting him, they can be born into the kingdom of God. Please, Father, have your way and your will in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Today, our hymn is one of the old, old hymns, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. It's going to be on the overhead, but also this hymn is an insert in your your bulletin. Please listen to the words of this hymn as Janet comes and leads us in in this song.